Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Some would stand and preach and teach that life is to be one series of blessings after another. No difficulties, no hardships, just triumphs, just, well, you shouldn't suffer if you're a Christian. That's not the experience of Paul the Apostle. That's not what the Bible promises either. If you have that type of thinking, attitude, perspective, you're going to find yourself sorely and deeply disappointed. In both the Old Testament and the New, we read and learn about the hardships that come to those who are faithful to God. In the Epistle to the Philippians, we discover that Paul the Apostle wrote the very letter itself while in chains for preaching Christ. In today's message, Pastor Ed addresses the issues of a false prosperity gospel which causes many to stumble. Although we are promised every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, the scriptures do warn of the adversities in this life. Let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 for part one of his message entitled, Joy in the Midst of Adversity. Philippians chapter 1. Looking at verse 12, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. We're in a series through the book of Philippians. Let me ask you a question. What can rob you, empty you of your joy? What would it take to take the joy of the Lord out of your heart? What adversities... Could you just feel like, boy, I don't know that I'd be able to stand up under that adversity. And it would just derail you. Paul the Apostle faced adversities, but he advanced through them. He shook them off, went on, and triumphed through them. All of us are going to face adversities, difficulties, hardships. When we face those things, how can we benefit from them rather than be broken by them? Verses 12 to 18 in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result... It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Cause of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. 
What hardships, adversities, confinements, situations derail you and get you off track? If we dream the wrong dream, we're motivated by the wrong motives, we're driven by the wrong desires, life is going to be a series of uphill battles that just robs us of joy. Some would stand and preach and teach that life is to be one series of blessings after another. No difficulties, no hardships, just triumphs, just, well, you shouldn't suffer if you're a Christian. That's not the experience of Paul the Apostle. That's not what the Bible promises either. If you have that type of thinking, attitude, perspective, you're going to find yourself sorely and deeply disappointed. That's a Disney World mentality. We don't live in Disney World. We live in a real world with real problems and real difficulties. Paul the Apostle was motivated by a desire to glorify God and fulfill God's purposes. As long as the kingdom of God advanced, God's will was done. Paul was able to rejoice because that was at the core of his being. That was in the center of his life. That's what got him up in the morning. That was the gas in his tank that kept him going. If what motivates us is a desire for position, popularity, prestige, power, money, pleasure, any of those things, if that's what motivates us, Life will be a series of disappointments. Paul the Apostle looks at the adversity that comes his way and he advances through it. Look with me at verse 12. You see Paul the Apostle advancing through adversity. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. Just take that phrase what has happened to me. I mean, he's talking about a whole lot of stuff. Go back to Acts chapter 21 and read all the way to chapter 28. And it is a series of events, one after another, that follow him, that trip him, but he refuses to stay down. He goes to Jerusalem and wants to share about his experience with Christ. And so some people falsely accuse him of bringing Gentiles into the holy place. And they're ready to kill him. They're ready to string him up. The Romans come and rescue him. And they're ready to beat him. But he appeals to his, the fact that he is a Roman citizen. And he finds himself in prison chained in Jerusalem. Then there's a plot by his own countrymen. Forty men make an agreement that they're going to take his life. How would you feel if that were you? Hey, ship him off to Caesarea. And there, 
He spends time in jail again, prisoned. Felix is waiting for a payoff. He's waiting for a bribe. But the bribe never comes. He sees Paul has a lot of friends. He thinks he could make money on Paul. Paul recognizes things aren't going well for him in Caesarea, so he appeals to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, he had that right. He's taken to Rome. And there in Rome again, he is in prison, chained to a guard. How would you feel if you were Paul? In shipwreck? In prison? Falsely accused? Maligned? And this goes on for year after year after year after year. Bad things do happen to good people. Difficulties do happen. What happens to Paul is not just. It's not right. It's not fair. It's injustice. In Acts chapter 23, in fact, we have it stated that way. The commander writes a letter to Felix, the governor. He says, there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. In other words, Paul, he's innocent, but he is suffering injustice. Life is that way. Little children, when they grow up in a home, they sometimes say concerning their siblings, that's not fair. Why did he get away with it? Why did she get away with it? That's just not, well, life isn't fair. They go off to school and in class, sometimes they experience the wrong end of favoritism where someone else is favored. Oh, he got to sing in the choir. She got to act in the play. He was chosen on the team and I wasn't. As an adult, you're working at a job and you're a hard worker. But yet because you don't have it in with the boss, they pass over you for a race. Or they look for someone else to promote because you're a Christian or a believer. Life isn't fair. That's just the way our world is. It's woven into the fabric of our existence. When we experience the brunt of injustice, just like Paul did, what's our response? You experienced ill health or difficulties at home. And, and all of a sudden you, you begin to wonder, Lord, why? Well, Paul didn't get stuck in that. He didn't get caught in that whirlpool of self-pity and be pulled down. Paul the apostle recognized that God's hand was in the injustice. That God was going to use it. See, when... The purpose of your life, what gets you up in the morning, what motivates you is that you want to live for God's glory and God's honor. You're always looking at the circumstances, the situations, and you're saying, how God can you use this? I place this in your hands. It's been said, someone said, there's no situation so chaotic that God cannot from that situation create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at the creation, he did it at the cross, and he is doing it today. 
you might feel like life has been unjust. It's dealt me a bad hand. Give that hand to God. It's amazing how he'll play it. Injustice was his lot. But not only injustice, but there was suffering. In verses 29 to 30, listen to what Paul the Apostle says in Philippians. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle I had. And now hear that I still have notice, but also to suffer for him. Suffering can be used by God in your life for your good and the advancement of his kingdom. The path of life includes suffering. Paul always dreamed about going to Rome. He talked about it. He prayed about it. He spoke about it. And he did go to Rome. He was planning to go as a preacher, but he went as a prisoner. He wasn't planning to go in chains as an accused criminal, but that was part of God's, well, what God was doing in his life. We make a mistake, a tragic mistake, when we think that life is just going to be one port to another and smooth sailing between those ports. It's just not that way. It was the sixth inning. The Montreal Expos were playing the San Francisco Giants. Dave Dervecki was pitching. And as he threw the ball, suddenly a loud cracking, snapping sound sounded throughout the stadium. His arm snapped in two. He didn't realize that cancer was eating away at his bones. He went to the hospital and after a series of tests they realized that they had to amputate that arm lest the cancer spread through the rest of his body. His pitching career was over. His career in baseball was over. And he was at the height of it. After the surgery, shortly after, he went back to Jack Murphy Stadium to a standing ovation, and he talked about Jesus Christ. The next day, in the San Diego Union, it said that he received 700 invitations to speak. His suffering, the tragic loss of his arm, became a platform for him to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with tens of thousands of people, millions of people. He's written a book, When You Can't Come Back. And he speaks about that tragic experience and how God transformed it. We go before God and we say, God, use me. God, work through me. God, make me an instrument of your glory and power. And God answers the prayer. 
He sends, he allows a trial, suffering, something to happen. God, what are you doing? I don't understand this. I'm a faithful servant. When God's answering the prayer, perhaps in ways we had not expected, we expected a cruise to Rome. But like Paul, we find ourselves in dire straits. But it's amazing how God will use the injustices that come your way and how he will use the suffering that comes your way. Oswald Chambers said, neither usefulness nor duty is God's ultimate purpose. His aim is to bring out the message of the gospel. And if that can only be done by his bruising me, why shouldn't he? Remember Jesus bruised on the cross. Remember Paul said, God's granted you to suffer for Christ. One of the great classics of all Christian literature is Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan wrote it while he was in prison. These epistles, the epistle of Philippians that we've been studying was written by Paul in prison. John in exile on the island of Patmos. John the Apostle writes the book of Revelation. Chuck Colson, in his book, Loving God, wrote at the end of the book in an analogy, he said, my lowest days as a Christian. And there were low ones, seven months worth of them in prison to be exact, have been more fulfilling and rewarding than all the days of glory in the White House. I tell you, I cannot understand it, I cannot explain it, but I know it's true. God can take the darkest night and use it for your good and his glory, the greatest disappointment, and use it for the advancement of the kingdom and for your benefit. And so when injustice comes, lay it at his feet. Jesus knows all about it. When suffering comes, lay it at his feet. Jesus knows all about it. And he could use it in your life. We can advance through adversity. We don't have to be derailed and sidetracked. We live in a fallen world that's filled with injustice and suffering. But Jesus tells us that we could overcome this world with him. You see him advancing not only in the midst of these things that he's suffering, but you see him advancing suffering through confinement. And verses 13 and 14. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, that's the Praetorian guard. There, the special guard that works for Caesar. There's about 9,000 of them. And these are an elite force. It's a mixture of West Point and uh, sort of the uh, FBI or some uh, secret service group. And these men would serve for 12 years. And after their service, they would go out into different areas of leadership within the Roman Empire. Some would become politicians and serve in the Senate. Some might uh, operate their own business. Uh, some would be involved perhaps in leading an army, become a general on the field. But these were the best of the best. 
So as a result, it became clear throughout the whole palace guard, the Praetorian guard there, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Did you ever feel so confined, chained? There he is. They're not comfortable. He can't sleep well with them. He can't lie on his arm. He can't lie on his hand. I mean, they're on him 24-7 and there's a new guard coming every six hours. He's an evangelist. He's used to traveling the countryside. He's used to going from place to place, preaching the word. That's his passion. Suddenly now he's confined. But I want you to see, he becomes a witness in the midst of his limitations. In verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains. Why? For Christ. I could imagine one of the guards asking him, are you a religious charlatan? Who have you swindled? Are you a political insurrectionist? Why are you here? Paul says, do you have some time? He says, well, I have uh, six hours. He says, okay, let me tell you about it. And he begins to tell him about Jesus. Then another guard comes. Now, he's not so willing to listen to Paul, but Paul has visitors. And he welcomes those visitors, and he begins to tell them about Jesus. He begins to pray with them. And that guard hears that prayer. That guard experiences Paul's presence as he's in the presence of the Lord. And he becomes an incredible witness Look what God said to Paul in Acts chapter 23. It says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. What begins to happen is people come in to talk to Paul. And those guards hear him speaking. Those guards overhear him dictating the book of Philippians and maybe other letters that he's writing and words of encouragement. And something happens. One by one, people come to Christ and are saved. One by one, some of these elite soldiers receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It's amazing how God can use your suffering. It's amazing how God can use your confinement. It's amazing how God can use the chains that seem to hold you and say, you know, I, I just wish I had better finances. Or I just wish my circumstances were different. Uh, I, I didn't have this job that sort of limited me. I want to be able to serve the Lord more. And on and on we go thinking, "By I wish these circumstances were different so I could be a real witness for Christ. Paul's chained. He isn't about leaving that place. And watch what happens in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. It's so powerful. Paul says, and he's closing the letter, All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. They're getting saved. That was God's plan. That was God's appointment. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
This is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio 1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.